Alrighty, Creedcast coming at you again with the another podcast this week. Coming thick and fast as the season is getting ready to begin tonight. Um, we're just a few few hours away from Richmond Carlton, the traditional uh, grand final apparently for Cal- Carlton as Shane Shane Edwards staring the pot over there at Punt, on Punt Road. But this podcast is a Port Adelaide podcast, and as such, we will be talking about um, just general thoughts, my thoughts. Again, this is a, the Creedcast. This is um, our personal thing. Um, so, you know, you can take my word as um, seriously as you like. It's just my thoughts as a fan uh, talking about Port Adelaide. So we'll be just um, just a general kind of chat about where um, our season, where I'm thinking it'll go, which will probably match up with the plenty of others. Um, very, very um, positive ambitions for this season for this club. So, yeah, we'll get into it. Look at that! There it is! It's all over! Port Adelaide! They had the power to win! And it was very much history in the making today! Musings, uh, whatever you want to call it, this is what it is. It's um, my final thoughts that you can put down on um, a podcast before the season gets started and everything starts going elsewhere. Um, you know, it's a fun part, of the fun time of the year when you can just sit there and just think about where the season might go without actually having any um, games played or anything like that. It's all expectation, um, and then it's the reality that comes in the future. But thankfully, I think um, with what we're all looking forward to this year with Port Adelaide is that the expectations and reality are very much um, seeming like they'll be uh, lining up this year, which is bloody wonderful. Um, it's really great because, you, you know, um, I think I've talked about this on a podcast before. I've joked about it that I'm the kind of person that will go into every year thinking that my team can win a premiership or a, or a title or whatever sport I'm watching. I'm a, a fan of plenty of sports. Um, so, you know, I'm always one that goes into finding... Even in a year where realistically you look at the lineup, you know, um, there's probably not the, the title-winning lineup. Um, I sit there and go, but if this goes right and this goes right, but the thing with Port Adelaide this year is it's really the really fun part about um, looking at Port Adelaide going into this season is that we can look at every part of our lineup and say if this goes right and this goes right, we will win a flag. And um, a lot of pundits, um, experts, fans that aren't even Port Adelaide people. Um, are saying the same things and that's when it gets really exciting is when um, that stuff is lining up with your own expectations that's when you know you're actually a genuine chance and that what you're thinking is actually pretty pretty spot on to what most are so that's that's where we're at as a club right now which is really wonderful we are right in the middle of what of a premiership window that we've you know we've built into a lot faster than probably some expected when we were um trading away the likes of Chad Wingard and, um, and Pollock and like the likes a few years ago for a few draft picks. But we, we you know, we hit the jackpot in in the, that draft with the, the Rosie Dersmers, Dersma and Butters one and kind of fast-tracked our way into with a few good pickups as well, as um, as I've talked about on the previous podcast, particularly this year, um, the podcast that I released yesterday morning, talking about the trades and pickups um, that we had in the off-season. We, we really strengthened what was a pretty... Pretty damn good side from last year um, with some two very key pickups, and that's that's the kind of thing that can fast track a side into a 
um, a side that is decent because we, we were never terrible over the last few years. We just had some woeful patches of form, um, you know, when we were 11, 11 and 4 or probably back in 2017, I think, or 2018. At 2018, I think we were like 11 and 4 near the top of the table and fell right away. And you just have those kind of things happen. So the, the, the signs were there that this side could be good. We just, we, whether it was mentality, um, the depth of the squad, a few players that we, we did ship out at the end of that year um, and then bringing in the right, right replacements to bolster that kind of tenacity and mentality to uh, play out a season. And we saw that happen last year with what we had. And then we, we looked at what we had and what was almost, look, we could have, and if a couple of things go differently, we win a flag last year as well. So the side was so close. And when you can take that side, unfortunately, we lose a couple of um, stalwarts and Westhoff and Ebert, um, but add the add the likes of, um, but the, you know, those are the guys that were on their way out, unfortunately. It's just the life cycle of AFL. Um, when you can add the likes of Elia Elia and, um, and Orazio Fantasia and then grab some talent like Lockie Jones in the draft, um, that's that's the kind of things you need to do to um, strengthen. And we, we didn't lose anyone that we weren't expecting to lose. Um, so that's that's a wonderful boost as well. We've only strengthened um, our position. And there's a lot of youth coming through as well. Um, so um, that's kind of the exciting part of where we're at. This is we're, we're right. We've really built quite quickly to this point again of being one of the genuine flag favourites. Um, if you look at everyone's predictions, um, like you kind of do, you just look at... Not that you can take experts' words, experts in, um, you know, quotations are what they are. They're just, they're just giving their opinion like any fan would, but they're just they're in that position as a media personality to do so. But there's plenty of talk. Um, Nathan Brown was saying that um, we are his flag favourites, and I think I've seen Dale Thomas and J- Jason Dunstall have also um, labelled us as their, their flag favourites. So, you know, that's a position. Um, there's, uh, there's some big names there that are in the AFL, right in the middle of the AFL media circles talking about us as their flag favourites. So, um, you know, I kind of started this part of the podcast talking about expectations and reality and our expectations and reality are um, on, on, on the same path at the moment, which is a wonderful thing versus, you know, back in 2010, 2011, um, where expectations and reality, well, maybe a lot of us were pretty realistic at the time too, but, you know, you still always hope for the better, but... Um, there was a, some gaps at those in those times, but right now we're right on the same path. Expectations and reality have us um, on a path towards a genuine chance at a flag this year and our first flag for a long, a long time, and um, the one that we very much deserve and this squad very much deserves. Um, and so yeah, we should talk about the squad a little bit though. The demographic of the squad is really where um, where you see why we are in such a good moment. As a squad and as a club at the moment, um, you look at the, the there's a really wonderful mix of veterans that are high court, like elite level veterans that are still actually playing quite good footy. I mean, you look at Travis Boak, um, who apparently um, he wants to play on till four. He's taking some inspiration out of Tom Brady over in the NFL there um, and looking to play until he's forty. Um, <laughs> when when Tom Brady said he play play until he's for, until he's mid forties. A few years back, people um, kind of chuckled at that notion, and then he's just gone and won a seventh Super Bowl this year at the age of 43, and some, suddenly people are going, yeah, he could probably be playing at 45. So um, while it's um, uh, AFL, um, particularly in Travis Polk's position um, and how he plays football, it is a lofty ambition to play until you're 40, but I love that he's kind of got that, uh, that attitude. It's kind of like what I was talking about in the previous podcast with um, chasing greatness, um, and Port Adelaide is like, 
you, what you should do, what you should always be doing is having lofty ambitions. You should never sit there and you know you can you can you behind closed doors realistic things and I've been watching them making their mark and um and that's and I will do a review of that once I've finished it. But there was one bit I can't remember which coach it was. It might have it could have been Matthew Nix or da- uh, Damien Hardwick saying, "Look, uh, out in public, we'll 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 back you every time, but in here, we'll we'll tell you reality." And that's what's going to happen within clubs. But what your public messaging should always be lofty ambitions. Chasing greatness is one of those things that the club is doing as a whole. And I love that Travis spoke as a person and as a player, is sitting there saying, "Look, I take care of myself incredibly well," and we know that. We you know if you follow him in his socials and just follow follow kind of generally what he's doing. Um, he's incredibly um, focused and, and disciplined with his own fitness and, and really takes care of himself. And we saw the the fruits of that kind of labor last year and how he, he put in a career best year at the age of 32. So if he can do a career best year at the age of 32, um, injuries permitting, there's no reason he can't do that this year. And then for a few more years yet, you know, you've, you've seen the likes. You know, it's hard to maintain an AFL career once you get into your 30s. Um, because there are things that start happening that are out of your control, like some injuries and just uh, the wear and tear on the body. But if you are just lucky enough, you know, kind of like a, um, a Tom Brady um, or even like, you know, LeBron James is a prime example of someone um, who at, at the age of 36 now is still one of the best players and you know, or the the best player in the world um, at his at, at basketball. And, and he does the same thing. He takes care of himself and spends, you know, <laughs> I think he spends millions um, a year on his body, but essentially, um, so those are the things that you have to do, um, and that's I think Travis Burke has that dis- discipline. And it's wonderful to see that he's put that lofty ambition on himself, but um, he's kind of the cent- central piece of that veteran um, quadrant of players that we have at Port Adelaide. That they're the they're the leaders, they're the the veterans, they're the ones that are setting the example, they're the ones that are, have set the pace for the rest of the team. And um, so you got Boke, you got Gray. Uh, Dixon's entering that. He's he's thirty. Um, Rockliffe is thirty. Um, uh, Jonas is around. You know, is getting into that bracket as well. Um, so there's a there's a few guys there that are in that thirty to thirty three range. Uh, Motlop, you know, while not being a central figure in the same sense, he's still a, a guy that's been around for a long time. And um, they're all the ones that are between you know one hundred and seventy to uh, two hundred and eighty three games that Boke is sitting at at the moment. You know, that range of player. Um, they're the ones that are that that, that real. Um, kind of veteran age and then um, and then you get into uh, guys that are in that 23 to 27 range you you're only one or even 20, 24 25 you're only wines um fantasia and Lear have just jumped into that that bracket as well so we've got a good core core list of guys um that are in that range of entering kind of their their prime of their careers you know we're looking at ollie wines um as the kind of player that hopefully will take that next step because we've all we all know that he's he's a player that um, people have talked of as you know uh, future captain. <laughs> I guess he did take the captaincy in that that um, ill-informed move to have two captains, but he kind of future captain could win a Brownlow. That kind of hit. That's the ilk that he um, has long been. That people have long spoken of his talent and his ability and his body and the kind of player he is. Um, so he's the kind of one we'd be looking for to take that step um, this year as well. Um, as a 20, I think he's 26 now, so he's he's right in that zone where he can, you know, with the kind of football he plays, he should be looking at a guy like, you know, and this is why it's important to have that bracket of the Travis Pokes should be, you know, hopefully Ollie Wines is looking at what Boke is doing to be a career best form at 32 and Ollie should be looking and saying, look, I'm 26, I can still 
so much improvement to come, even though I'm already a pretty elite player. Um, so that kind of bracket of player is what, um, you know, the, the list diversity that we have from that veteran group through to this mid-range group is really great. Um, you've got guys like even, um, I'm just trying looking through the list now, um, you know, um, and I'll get, actually, I'll, Ryan Burton, um, I'll get to him now before I get into the, the youth, youthful part of the list because he is, tw- I think he is 24 now. But um, Ryan Burton's one that I've got ticked off as a name that could be really important this year because I think we've all, not no, no one's forgotten Ryan Burton, obviously, but the fact that he's come over um, in that Chad Wingard trade and, and I think the the wonderful thing that is for Ryan Burton, he hasn't actually got the pressure, hasn't... The, burden of pressure from that trade hasn't come on him because we did so well out of the draft picks that we got out of all the other movements around that same time. Um, the team's been going well. Um, he has been allowed to actually, his injuries have been frustrating, but and, and it creates a, um, but the depth that we've, we have built up um, alongside the, the last couple of years has helped Ryan Burton just um, not quite, you know, because if that trade goes and, and Wingard goes off and plays wonderfully um, and we don't get the those draft picks don't hit like they did with the you know, Dersma, Rosie and Butters and all those things. And Burton's the biggest name to come out of all that period of player movement acquisition. It might There might be a bit more pressure on him and he might be feeling that a bit more. But thankfully, our position the last couple of years has been that we've, we've grown so well, got some great draft picks, got some other great players that have come into their form. You know, Ollie Wines signed, going back to Wines, he signed a long-term deal again. So all that speculation is gone. It's just like we're in a good place. Everything's humming. So... Luckily, Burton, um, probably the biggest um, frustration was that preliminary final last year where he had to sit up for full forward because he, he'd blown his quad, I think it was. Um, so he, he could be a real big one this year um, if he if he if we do get a full season of Ryan Burton on the park with um, what he can do. And he's, and he's 24. He's just turned 24. So this is a guy that's got his whole career in front of him still, but he's got 70 games under his belt. Um as it is, and, you know, injury-plagued years being what they are. We've seen, and, you know, a lot of people look at, um, I think I've heard chat about Ryan Burton the last couple of years. It's like, oh, it's a worry if his body's like this. It's a worry, it's a worry. It's not, no, players can fix this stuff. You know, we Hartlett's uh, had issues in the past. Uh, Robbie Gray, you know, <laughs> had a catastrophic knee injury and has come back and been pretty fit. You know, players can actually get through an injury-plagued part of their career and actually get into consistent form at the back end of their career. That can happen too. So, um, with Ryan Burton being 24, he's got so much footy left in front of him, um, and we should we should actually be really excited and keep an eye on him this year. You know, if he can, you know, um, and fingers crossed, you know, knock on wood, he does stay on the park a bit more. And 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 these kind of little niggling injuries that kept on popping up last year, and that that preliminary final was just um, uh, heartbreaking for him because you know it's a lot of people look at that and go, oh, maybe we shouldn't have picked him. And it's like, no, look, these <laughs> it's um, he's a, he's a great player, and if he's if he is deemed to fit. He's he's a kind of guy that you do put in, into your lineup, and um, so I do hope. But I yeah, employer, and let's keep an eye on Ryan Burton and, and support him this year because I think he's going to be one that um, could be a really big one this year. That we've kind of not that we've forgotten about him, but we kind of forget that he's a player that we still haven't seen the best of at Port Adelaide in a consistent period. And when we look at all these other acquisitions and how good the squad is looking, and it's like well, Ryan Burton could be a big part of that too. And um, I'm really excited to see how he goes, and, and I'm really hoping he's. Um, yeah, got, got all those injuries behind him a bit and get, can get a bit more consistent time in the park. Um, you know, little knocks and stuff happen, but, you know, so those little niggling injuries that kept on popping him in and out of the side that, um, yeah, we really hope are behind him. But, um, yeah, 
he's kind of starting to enter that age bracket of the 24 to 28, 27-year-old kind of blokes. But, you know, that's that part, part of his career is all in front of him still, which is really exciting. And, you know, we've seen Riley Bonner's looked um, looked decent in the um, preseason as well, which, you know, he's, he's kind of maligned at times. And, um, yeah, it's just there's a lot of guys in that, that bracket of player. And, you know, Darcy Ben-Jones... Um, yeah, Carl Amon. Like, there's a lot of those guys in there that, um, and uh, you know, Dusty Burn Jones won the won the uh, our best and fairest last year and had an incredible year. All Australian. Carl Amon really has shown what, it, um, why we should be patient and not write players off um, right away because he's you know he had career best form last year as well and looking really great. Your Dan Houston's, um, you know, <laughs> some some COVID issues aside, which is you know, look, that's that last year was. Um, didn't do anything wrong, just the you know, COVID protocol stuff. Um, you know, it's just uh, more about you know thinking ahead a little bit. But the, these the such a great crop of players in that mid range, mid range group of guys that are they got so much footy left in front of them that are really hitting their prime. Um, so that's that's what I mean about this list going into this year and this this little premiership window we're entering is really really quite exciting. Um, and that's I mean. Jeez, that's before you even get to uh, get to the youth that we've got, which is bloody hell. It's exciting. Alrighty, brief little break from all the other stuff we're talking about here with the season preview to just a quick plug for the Creed1870.com, our website. Um, still pretty bare bones at the moment, as we but we've got a, a store on there where we sell our merch that some of you lovely blokes and ladies out there have already have already purchased and enjoyed and given us some great feedback on, which we appreciate because we're just a little. The husband and wife team just doing something creative to um, th- to support our club, so we enjoy that you you enjoy our stuff. But yeah, there's some great stickers there, um, a stubby holder, the King Charlie one that has um, a nice funky design that I really enjoy um, taking around with me and, and, and showing off whenever I can. And um, yeah, some pins and badges and, and stickers as well. So um, yeah, get around that. Um, there's a bit that everything's on sale at the moment there as we as we work to get some new gear in for this year and. Um, and expand a bit of, of what we're offering as far as our merch from our, our design work as well. So, yeah, get around that. Um, the mer- Creed1870.com um, slash merch to get you directly there or just the Creed1870.com to get to the main website and then you just go to the link. Um, yeah, that's about it there. Um, yeah, just follow us on all the socials as well. You'll find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Get around it and we'll get back to the pod. Alrighty, so the youth, yeah, that's where it, that's where it gets really exciting. Um We've got the much lauded kind of trio that from a couple of years ago, obviously Connor Rosie, uh, Xavier Dersma, and um, Zach Butters are the three that a lot of people come to mind. But it's 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 beyond that as well for me. It's it's your Miles Bergman looking great in the uh, in the preseason. It's guys like Willem Drew who's been around for a few years now. Um, and he's actually a couple of years older than those guys, but he's just been in the system and and has looked really great at times. And just needs his chance, you know, he had injuries. But he was in, in there a couple of years ago, early in the season, and then just, um, you know, injuries and all that stuff uh, is sometimes what just the unfortunate part of the game. But um, he's there and, and he's a really talented and, and he's experienced now as well. Um, obviously not a whole lot of AFL experience, but just in the in the side, he knows what's expected. Um, I think he, he's got a lot of love from um, from Hinkley as well. And Hinkley loves his young blokes. As long as you, as long as you do, um, you know, you put your put your heart and soul on the line for the club um if any if you as long as you're ken hinkley's guy then then and that's what i I love about kind of what hinkley's done as well is um you know you can trust if these guys come to the side if he's got if hinkley's 
um, supportive of them and they're probably going to do their job because that's, he kind of has an expectation of these guys. But yeah, no, you've got Laddams, you know, he's only 23 still and um, he, he really had some, he's um, had some fiery great games and some big goals and kind of he's, He's got there's an eccentricity to his play that I love as well. The way he, the way he can um, handle the ball and pick it, and he's quite um, athletic for his size and can kick some goals that you wouldn't expect from a guy like that. And it's just there's that kind of you know he's he's getting towards that mid twenties range now too. But he's he's in that he's kind of just in that bracket. Um, but yeah, it's it is the the youth that's in the side, not just that is a, a lock in the side, but um, those guys that are. Um, that are on the wings there as well, you know, Georgiades as well, who had some big games last year. And um, he's the kind of bloke that, um, you know, with between him and Marshall, because Marshall's, um, you know, he's still quite young. And I think um, he's, Marshall was a bit maligned last year because he kind of, he, he'd come to the side a few years ago and was really impressive. And then like last year, it's like, it's not that he, he didn't stagnate to me. He was still just, the game was, he, he's a lot more well, he's, Still growing uh, with his with his um, f- f- finishing off his body being only a twenty two year old still and um, was just finding the game a bit difficult at times last year I think and um, but he's he's again one of those guys kind of like we were just talking about Carl Amon now you know patience has worked worked incredibly well with Amon because he's now a lock in our side and an incredibly important part part of our of the engine room in in that middle part of the middle middle part of the ground. And, um, you know, Todd Marshall being only 22, he's kind of like, we just need to, he just probably needs to put it on a bit more bulk and, um, and just, uh, you know, kind of flow with the game a little bit better. But he's, he's, a, he's the kind of guy that's still got so much footy again in front of him, especially at 22. You're still, you still, you still are sometimes figuring out some of the subtle, subtle key parts of the game, um, as part, as, you know, that, as a big, big man forward. And, you know, Dixon's 30 and he's, he's, he had his career best year last year as well. So it's like, these guys sometimes do. There are certain parts of the field, depending on your body, your body type, and what you do, that can take a bit more time just to master. Um, you know, the, your young guys like your um, Rosies and your Butters, and and the, there's some freak athletes that just come in and do stuff straight away. But their 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 role in the game is to be a little bit more. Um, uh, their style of play is unpredictable, whereas um, a big man, uh, you know, tall leaping forward. Literally has kind of and not to sim- not, not trying to simplify, but it, they've got one job, and if they're not, you know, so there's a lot more things that you can nullify there. Whereas those 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 guys around the ground that do those younger guys that do come in and, and take the lead by storm, do that via the fact that they are by their very nature unpredictable. So we should, yeah, give give uh, Marshall a lot more um, time, and he's he's certainly an inc- a great player, and that goal that he kicked. Um, in that final against Geelong and the passion he showed, and that was a, that was a big goal and a big moment. And it shows kind of what he can do off the boot, and um, the passion he showed after he kicked it showed. And you know, he he was injured in that game too, so he certainly got the heart and the guts for the game. And I think he's I think he's still got a good good career in front of him, which is going to give him the time. And hopefully, um, injuries um, don't hassle him too much, and we can and he can get a consistent run on the side. Um, some more depth up forward certainly does help um, with Georgiades having it looking good as well. Um, and then just the more the more small forwards to feed off because that was the issue last year. Sometimes was um, you know once once it came into Dixon and and Marshall and making those opportunities and bringing it to ground and making those opportunities count with the forward line, forward entries. Um, so adding Fantasia in there helps. You know the the, the more depth we have in there and um, is going to help. Speaking of uh, depth up forward and and guys that and not just forward but. 
you know, you wrote the, the young guys that we I started off talking about before I went into the depth guys, but we do the core of that young group is your um, obviously Rosie Dozer and Butters now. Um, D- Rosie is going to be out for. I um, mean, he, he actually was on he was on Rowie's show last night on five five double A, and um, he did mention that he's actually he's on track to try and be back around too. Now I don't want the club to be rushing anything, so. Um, but that's look. That's a good sign that everything went well. Um, he's walking freely again. He reckons he's going to be running, running at the start of this, this next week. So that's a look. Look, it looks like um, the little procedure to fix up the scar tissue in the ankle there um, did wonders, and um, he's he's tracking right right back fine. And he's a sneaky chance for round two. But look, I just hope the club doesn't. And the club has no reason to rush him rush him in anyway um, for a round two matchup at home. I would love to see him being our first game at Adelaide Oval against Essendon in round two. It would be wonderful to see Rosie coming back. But look, it'll do the right thing. And it's a long game long game here in the AFL. So um, bring him back when he's fully ready. But it's a good sign that everything is tracking well after that little that little procedure that he he's a sneaky for round two rather than rather than just hoping for round three. So um, so that does provide opportunity um, in rounds one and two for your other guys um, around the squad, but um, yeah, he he will be a lock to come back in when he comes back in. Um, if he starts hitting that form that he was starting to find again at the end of last year after his incredible first year, um, he's certainly he's certainly such a magical player with um, you know one of those ones that just you, <laughs> they don't grow on trees. Um, they're they're hard to find, but if you can, yeah, that that magical little group we got that year was um, an incredible draft. Um, Dersmer as well, taking over the number seven, um, a big move for him, and he's already shown um, just how special he can be. Um, he's looking like he's well, he wants to move into the the guts of the, the guts of the midfield a bit more and have a get a bit more opportunity around the ball. And um, but he's the kind of player that can float in. He's obviously uh, had some great wing plan, um, and he can float around that that half forward line as well and um, take some big marks and kick some big goals and and bring out the bow and arrow. I fucking love that celebration. Um, yeah, there's a lot of these guys. This core is just so wonderful. Um, but Butters, Zach Butters, what more can you say about a young man that has captured our hearts so truly um, over the last couple of years? And particularly last year, he really, you know, I think that first year it was kind of like we, you know, Rosie, Rosie hit the ground like, you know, I think I remember tweeting after rounds one or two um, of the, the first games that Rosie played. I said, Chad who? Like as, you know, number 20 on the back of the Gansey and, you know, he just he just took it took us by storm that we you know the, any lingering doubts about all those moves were pretty pretty quickly extinguished um, with Rosie's play, and then Dersma came in and, and was really hitting. And, and look, we saw we saw what Butters could do a bit um, in twenty nineteen, um, and certainly you know you already saw that he had some special talents there. But it was really last year that um, the consistency he played with, the magical flair he played with, and the guts and heart and that smile. When he was kicking goals, you know that that the goal off the boot, um, you know that kind of volley, uh, <laughs> you know like a like a Steven Gerrard coming in from thirty five yards, and, and Zach Butters coming in from thirty five meters out in the showdown to to volley one through, and and just 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 magical play, and and kind of you, you start you really got a sense of the fact that he's there's a special quality that is um, incredibly rare. Um, in the AFL um, and in, indeed any sports league around the world, it's um, a guy like Zach Butters just, um, and, and it's not to say, and Dersmer, and I think Dersmer and Rosie have it as well in their own way, but Butters is the one that, um, and it's been really interesting this off season hearing the talk about, like, I can't remember who said it, but, you know, there's people, um, I think, well, Nathan Brown in his preseason stuff, he said, 
Zach Butters is the one he's looking to make, see him make a leap again. And considering where he was at last year as, as being in the All-Australian 40, when you're looking at... Tw- and that's, look, he's only 20 still. So you've got a guy that's already made the All-Australian 40 and unlucky to not make the 22. But look, it's a it's a very exclusive list. and um, But that's a good sign of where he's at as far as his kind of um, standing in the... Um, in media rankings and what how people see the game and where how they see his game in particular and his impact on a on a team uh, on our team, um, so his the fact that we're already looking at a twenty year old as that talented and then people are seeing that he could probably make another leap because look he is still raw and young and and not quite fully developed as an AFL player as far as body and stuff goes he's incredibly lightweight what he does remind me of a lot is um young like as far as his uh. He's got this weird thing where his body just moves in a way that is um, you don't expect it to move the way it does, and it kind of reminds me of um, I don't know if anyone remembers these, and I'd love if you, if you do, if you have like photos of the ads that were in old AFL records of this or in papers or whatever it was or a footy record as it was back in the day possibly, but does anyone remember there was the ads on TV for like. It was a guy that was like a scientist who was trying to work out what made players who they were, and it was like it was just a footy. And I, I hope I'm not dreaming that this happened, but it was like for Wayne Carey, it was like he's made it. He's like all the science about how he's got this kangaroo stuff in him, and then but then Gavin Wanganeen was the rubber man. And it was a scientist trying to work out what made how Gavin Wanganeen worked because he was he was the rubber man, and and I I God I hope I'm not just I didn't just have a loose like an acid trip as a six year old remembering these ads, but. I remember just Gavin Wanganin was the rubber man. There was these ads about him being the rubber man, the scientist trying to figure out what made Gavin Wanganin work. And, and you know, Gavin Wanganin's body moved in a way that was, you know, it was Wanganin only. And I, I see that in Butters a little bit. And it's, it's maybe a left-field comparison, but I just think the, the, way that, the, the way they move around the footy and their quickness of hands um, and quickness of mind and, their, and their, the flair that they play, they, they both play with is very similar. Um, you know, Wanganin could play, you know, he, he's, Played played in the midfield and and they obviously transformed the halfback position and and Zach Butters isn't going to play in this but Zach Butters is looking to move into midfield and and has an incredible knack around the forward line, um, as we know Gavin Wang and he very well could at times and uh, did to the greatest effect on that great day in uh, 2004 but um, yeah Butters has got that that magical flair and that that unique body kind of um, composition that just you see uh, there's things that he can do that no one else can do quite purely because um, no one else's body is going to move in the, the the way that his does without getting injured sometimes and you know knock on wood um, for, for butters but he's um and you know he's he's only 20 so it's so much development in front of him and um, um I think I heard someone talk about how he's, he's kind of got the his his ceiling could be somewhere of the talent level of a Gary Abler Jr. Now I'm not putting that mocker on him I just want him to be Zach Butters but when you hear people, it's just good to hear people think that he's got that kind of ceiling because that is incredible. But he's already the player he is now is going to be incredibly um, handy and and vital towards a premiership charge. So what we had last year, we'll just be hoping for that as a baseline. And anything improving, improving on that will be absolutely outstanding and and put us in even greater stead for a premiership tilt. Um, so, the, but there is one thing that I find incredibly um, interesting about Butters and kind of my fascination with him as a person in, in general. Um, so Butters is a massive, is a, it seems to be, I was, I was about to say massive, but I'm not exactly sure how big, but I've seen him share um, 
and to- from time to time on uh, social media, he seems to be a Portland Trailblazers fan in the NBA, which I myself, I'm actually wearing a, a, tra- a Trailblazers shirt right now as I record this one. Um, so I always, I always love it when, especially Portland, you know, they're a smaller market team in the NBA, still very popular and in a great city. Um, where where me and the other half of the creed we got married. Um, so we love that city and and Oregon in general. But um, so Butters seems to be a Portland Trailblazers fan, and he and he shared. So Damian Lillard, obviously great Trailblazers star. Anyone that knows the NBA knows Damian Lillard and um, how how talented and and well respected and loved he is around the NBA, and especially obviously the Portland fans, um, incredibly beloved. Butters, so Lillard. Comes from a kind of background as, you know, he wasn't a highly touted high school star. He did a four-year college career, which is incredibly rare considering how good he ended up being. You know, a lot of players of his talent, if it was recognized, would have been a one one and done in the college. But, you know, Lillard did the four years and came out as an incredibly seasoned uh, rookie. And it was the rookie of the year in the NBA in 2014 and and went on to, um, not 2013, and went on to great things after that. And is obviously an all-star and... You know, going to be one of the greatest. Uh, a lot of people talk about him as the greatest trailblazer of all time already. Um, but he comes from this background of work, 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 and um, you know, often overlooked. So his ethos, no matter where he's, in, he's now thirty-year-old. You know, um, you know, all-star, um, an incredible player that people talk about as, you know, a smoky for MVP, that kind of stuff. He's a, he's really great. But he still goes back to his his roots are work hard work, and he had this great um, minute monologue and um, after he scored fifty yesterday, um, talking about like how you know he's all the stuff that he's uh, happened now is great, but how he keeps at this level is he never forgets where he came from, which is the hard work and the sacrifice and a lot of you know, um, and the and the non glamorous stuff. And I, I see like I think Zach Butters, um, you know the personal issues he's had to deal with in the past with his family and, and his sister i'm not going to get, get into any of that because it's um you know that's his story but um I, you see a guy that's um he's had to grow quite quickly as a young man with the issues he's had to deal with um that you know and um, that's just life that sometimes you have these hard family issues but what he's had to do in himself to become the football player he is and and the man he is and the, and the family man he is helping out with his family at just the, still only 20 years old is he's had to grow quicker than some people have as far as his, um, the way he has to mentally deal with things and that's hard work and, and dedication to what you're doing. And I think that's, I you know, I look at um, what Damian Lillard talks about, not that the family, the situations, it, there's not like, a, there's not, I'm drawing a parallel between those things, just saying the different things that they've had to deal with growing up as, uh, you know, non-glamorous things. Um, not that you should need that to become a good player, but I think, um, you know, because some people, unfortunately, when bad things happen, they can um, metabolize that in a different way, in a negative way. But what Butters has done is, um, and I'm quite impressed with it, that kind of attitude is he's, um, he's just focused and and not let it define him and, and, and grown out and grown with it and, and been, you know, a great man for his family um and his, and his and his and his family seems wonderful as well and he and he's and he's grown into a great football player and, and only 20 years old to have that maturity and men, mental strength to go go through all that and still do this and and the dedication to his footy is is wonderful and i, I like i love seeing that he's a he seems to be a big you know a blazers fan and particularly a fan of damian lillard and what he what damian lillard represents as a basketball player and what he rep, and what he represents as, as a as what can be achieved through hard work, I like. I, I see a bit of that in Butters as well, and 
and it's really it was just when I saw him share that 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 video yesterday, it kind of got me thinking about him as a player and and what he's had to go through and what he and and beyond all that, how he's he's grown to such a great player at such a young age, and um, you know it's a testament to him that he's been able to do that, and that's and from a team perspective, it's you know it's, it's wonderful for us too because we've we've got a you know he's a great player and, and he plays for our team and he's kind of he epitomizes sometimes. Uh, what Port Adelaide is, you know, the future of Port Adelaide is hard work, is, you know, the, the history of Port Adelaide is hard work. Um, making greatness happen is from hard work and, and Bud is, seems like he is the perfect epitome of what the next generation of that will be as we enter our next 150 years. So it's just wonderful to have a guy like that on our team. And at such a young ten, young age, he's already already one of the best players in the AFL and, you know, the, the sky is the limit for that kid. I'm so excited for what he's going to do this year. So with all that squad talk in mind, what does that mean when you bring it all together? Um, as I talked about at the start of this podcast, um, it's expectations versus reality. And when we go through the squad demographic and look at that that veteran group, that middle, middle of the road group as far as ages go and see where they're at. And then we look at that incredibly talented young group. It's all, it is again, they're all on the same path as, as our expectations and reality are. And that's what's really wonderful about where, we, where we're at at the moment. Um, so... When we were on so close to perfection last year, and um, and in many ways, you know, again, it's just a kick here or there. Sometimes, it can, um, when when you only lose by six points in a prelim, and see that team go on and um, and really storm to a grand final win in what was a pretty good game, and Geelong were no easy beats in that one with what Richmond had to overcome to get through that game. But um, you know, it's 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 something that I can I, I look at our squad demographic now and see that we've only what we've done. It's just drastically improve it really with just a couple of additions alongside the fact that we're going to have a, a, a going into this year with another year under those young guys' belts and and the hunger in those veterans that really want to you know those guys are looking at the at the window closing for them in particular at times and oh, apart from Travis Boak as I mentioned he's crying until he's forty so he's fine but um, he probably wants to go on and win a few um, so yeah what it means as as a team I think as I look towards the the season as a whole is. Um, you know, my, my prediction for us this year is Premiership. Let's be real. And I think that's going to be most Port Adelaide fans' predictions. And that's that's realistic. If we're a Port Adelaide fan and we look at the squad and, and what we have, and if we look at the season and go, look, if everything goes right and injuries are injuries are no more than what, you know, your general expectations of a, of a regular injury season is, you know, you don't have any big catastrophic injuries to key players or a group of catastrophic injuries to key players, and knock on wood again, um, you know, the expectation is that we finish um, top. Look, the top four is going to be an interesting one this year. You know, Brisbane are kind of in that similar window. They've got a lot of young talent and some veterans there as well. And you know, they're going to be, um, you know, chomping at the bit. And considering they, they they were very close last year, and um, and we're pretty. I was I was thinking they were going, they're on their way to a home grand final. Um, so you know, you got teams like Brisbane up there, and then Richmond. Are we? Um, they're obviously. Coming back with the same list and um, and have clearly shown that they can, um, the hunger is there to keep keep winning premierships and and really make this one of the all time dynasties. So that is there as well. And then Geelong have, um, while being an aging list, uh, have added some. Have again, they keep adding great players in there. And you know, be uh, whoever's managing the salary salary caps is doing doing something pretty pretty great there. Um, so the top four, um, I. I think we're we're certainly capable of finish finish top of the table, and I would love us love us to get that minor premiership again. Um, but as long as we finish top four, that'll be that that's the goal this year. With you know such a level playing field there at the top, 
we've got to got to got to realize that there is going to be losses here and there to some of those top teams as long as we're beaten you know you want to look at a look at a team like this this year and go we don't want to lose more than you know maybe six games max if you go um you know if you go 16 and 6 you've lost maybe you know once to some of those top teams and then maybe you drop one here and there to one of those those yeah I think that's the bare minimum we should be aiming for. If we if we drop low, if we go fifteen, you know, fifteen or seven, or you know, even worse than that, then we're probably probably dropping below those expectations. I think sixteen and six is where the baseline is. And you you look at those, you know, those oh two, oh three, oh four. I think we went eighteen and four, eighteen and four, and seventeen and five, and that's kind of where our list demographic is at the moment. That we are that good that we should be looking at um, going kind of those numbers again. So sixteen and six, you know, and it depends how the other teams go, but we we've got to just be making sure we finish top four. Uh, top two, um, it, it should be our aim. Basically, top two is the aim um, with how good we are and how good our season was last year and have only reloaded and improved. So top two is the expectation. Top four should be the is the minimum. And as I said, I think 16-6 is kind of going to get you in that range. Um, but we'll, we'll see. I, I could go through and do a whole entire season predictor and see where it actually f- shakes out. And maybe I will if I get the spare time. But um, I haven't done that. It's kind of just my random thoughts off the top of my head of how I've seen seasons go at times. And, you know, like 15 and 7 will get you probably fourth maybe. But, you know, you've got to, you don't want to be you don't want to be in the battle trying to make fourth in those last couple of weeks. You kind of want to be pretty pretty settled in the top two going into the last couple of weeks and, and really just maintain and get in there. So, And this squad, there's no reason we can't do that. Probably the biggest question on a lot of lips though is... um. You know, we're going into a season, the first year post-COVID, that we're going to try and attempt probably a normal season, mostly. We're all looking at um, Western Australia and seeing what happens there with how they manage um, the border, um, you know, what they've done there. Look, you know, whatever. I've seen differing opinions on how on how that's been managed, and it seems the old Premier over in WA seems pretty bloody popular. So um, maybe, you know, so co- the COVID impact is probably the big question that no one can actually answer. Uh, going into the season, but look, we're looking at it from our own perspective and our little our little bubble here in Port Adelaide, and and, and as a fandom, um, and we should all just I mean, one, it's great that we're looking at starting the season with forty thousand in the stands, and um, look, all tracking forward. I think I think I saw something on the news briefly last night. I wasn't watching, wasn't full focus on it, but um, I saw them briefly talking about um, about the possibility of even increasing that, and I assume an increase from forty thousand would just be going to full capacity. Um, some way towards it after the first third of the year, I, th- I just thought I was floating past the TV doing some laundry last night and um, saw them talking and just saw the end of them talking about the possibility of an increase um, around showdown time, which would be wonderful. Um, you know, obviously safety safety and all those protocols um, need to happen first. And, you know, I'll only say that we should go there if they if they deem that the correct decision. Um, but, you know, the you know, vaccinations and all that stuff rolling out, then, you know, there's real... Uh, and if, we don't get any more outbreaks like the little uh, pizza bar situation again. Um, there's no reason I can't see um, us looking at a, at a at a full stadium somewhere between somewhere in the middle of the season, which would be wonderful. Showdown time, I think it's a home showdown first up. That would be perfect. Um, so let's aim for that. Um, so the COVID impact as a whole for the competition, um, that's probably the the real wonder wonder for a lot of people and. And really, all you can do is cross your fingers, because that's the thing: is like an outbreak changes things within within you know within a day. Um, we saw it last year when the when the Victorian clubs had to um, 
you know, pack their bags and leave the state for a few months um, and they didn't even realise they were leaving for that long when they left. And it's just that it can happen so quickly. So, But the positive is that we've had a year now of COVID. Um, it's over a year now since the competition shut down, I think, that first time. So w- we've had a year of getting used to what this is and, and, the, and all the clubs have learnt what to do to manage and, and probably learnt a bit more flexibility within themselves as to what they can what they can achieve if they if they have to and and we're hoping we don't have like hubs and all that we're not, I don't think anyone wants to do that again um, but you know the competition has learnt a lot of lessons about how you can manage your way through and it's um and it's really quite a shining beacon um, considering the fact that we were able to manage our way through and get crowds back in and 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 have a great uh, have a grand final with a crowd there and and make things work in that sense so um, look there's nothing, nothing really that I can predict apart from I I think that we're looking towards you know, I'm going to be positive and think that we'll have a pretty regularly, a pretty regular normal season beyond the fact that we have to wait. Um, you know, the fixtures being released in these little bunches is somewhat frustrating because uh, I have a day job that requires a lot of weekend work and I'm having to, you know, I book my days off for games and I can't book them off apart from the first three or four home games or whatever we've got in the first six weeks. I can't can't book the time off yet for the rest of the season which is frustrating but look you just got to roll the punches when it's something like it's such a global situation like this with the pandemic and you can't you can't look you just got to look at the positives and go look i'm going to get to the, the footy um it is a my it's a minor frustration in the grander scheme of life and life and death and all those things that if you can't book your time off until they release a fixture it's not not that great a deal in the grand scheme of things so um yeah just thankful that we can go to the footy with a pretty pretty good pretty big crowd we'll be looking at a, a nice sizable crowd for um Essendon. i hope that ever all the forty thousand that have tickets are going to go and um we will be there and uh looking really really looking forward to that and hope hoping that by the end of the year we're looking at um full stadiums again because because we're all um you know uh all safe and safe and happy and supporting our team in in packed stadiums so that'll be really wonderful but yeah, I think the biggest thing, the only thing that we really have to be concerned about, I think footy will go ahead this year, no matter what, with everything we learnt last year. It will just be um, what happens if you get, you know, state, state by state thing. That's the big thing is if if you get a if you get a little outbreak in one place, and what does the other place do? Particularly, don't want to hammer Western Australia again, but they they are the state that does lock down harder than others. Um, and that does make life difficult for those. It's the, it's the West Coast and Fremantle, and then if, if we're playing one of those teams and what happens there. So, look, we'll just roll the punches as we did last year. <laughs> I think everyone got pretty good at that last year. And, um, yeah, it'll be um, looking like it'll be a pretty regular season, but we just got to gotta wait and see and cross our fingers. And as um, as they said last year, it's just like get as many games in as possible and get a season done and see what see what happens. But I think I think this year we'll be looking looking to some looking for a, a pretty normal uh new normal season again, to uh, use the now tired cliche. I guess I should make note before I wrap up my kind of thoughts at the end of this podcast, we did, I did do a little bit of a, just a rambling podcast about the rule changes um, a few days back and um, I'd, it was only a day or two before that the concussion sub st- stuff started coming up and I've said a bit about my thoughts on that, um, on that podcast about how I, I supported a concussion sub but we have now had um, in the interim, um, and yesterday it was announced fully that we are going to get the twenty-third th- player listed as a medical substitute um, this season. Which, um, I, look, I've got a few issues with it. One, look, I was supportive of it when it was just concussion because thought concussion, and and people did make the point. Well, why can't you do it with other injuries? And that's where this rule ended up getting to where it did. I think, um, but 
I think the thing with concussions is it's such a concussions are there's still a taboo and a stigma about concussions and a misunderstanding about what they do to people that is there and that's why the concussion sub you know would be necessary um and particularly with the rule that the the afl will deem them a 12 day out which are more than likely apart from if you're doing friday to sunday maybe or in a weird fixture week um that you may you're almost likely going to be out the next week automatically anyway and i thought that was a that was enough of a um good little barrier to exploitation of a concussion rule but now when it's um medical substitute and any injury that the doctor the, the club doctor has to um has to rule so it's not even in independent doctors so there could be pressure and i think they um Rowie again i was just listening to it on the way home was talking to someone that had worked in clubs previously i can't remember the name of the bloke but he, he was saying look i think it'll be fine but yeah sometimes you can get there it can be you know eyes looking over your shoulders looking for a decision that's favorable to you uh favorable to the club rather than the person's health so um even saw it and making their mark you know Stuart Jew and look Stuart Jew's great in that and he's a great bloke and you know we love him at Port Adelaide but you know when Matty Rowell dislocated his shoulder and and um he's and Stuart's just in the box going fuck okay can we can we get him back on and the, the guy on the phone's going no no the doctor said we, Matty Rowley wants to go back on but he, the doctor's saying he shouldn't and and, and Stuart's going well can he go back on and the guy again says, no, two doctors are saying he can't go back on, we can't let him go back on. And that's kind of the conversations you might get with this medical, is, is can we either, it could be one way, can we get it, or can we can we get the doctor to rule him out so we can get that sub on, even if he's probably, you know, might be, you know, okay to go on. I don't know. It's it's a really weird one, and, I, and clubs will exploit it. Um, I think that's just the way it'll be. But look, maybe it's just the way we need to get People get a bit bent out of shape about when you start talking about increasing benches and stuff like that. And um, I don't know, like the, the AFL game has changed so much and it's become so much faster and and, and fitter than it was, um, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Maybe, and you know, if they, they're reducing it, there seems to be a battle between the reducing, it's a funny one though, because you reduce rotations to try to bring a fatigue factor into the game, which is somewhat weird to me that they talk about it that way still, because fatigue means injuries and i just i don't think it's good for a game to be encouraging um possible injuries in this particularly soft tissue um but then you bring in a medical substitute as well which you know look i don't mind it but then i just the way they've rushed it in um i don't think they've sat down you know this kind of thing i think should have been looked at you know across the year as a rule that could be brought in next year you know um particularly when we've gone back up to 20 minutes brought the rotations down to 75 and then we bring this in on right on the eve of the season it's just everything feels rushed I look like it's actually I don't know if I it's not like I ex- exactly hate the rule I just hate the way that it's been rushed in because it seems there's a level of incompetence to how it's been rushed in and look at the coach's concerns that brought the issue up and and it started with concussions but then it's become medical and it's just there's so much happening at once that I haven't actually had to, time to kind of coalesce the idea in my in my mind to work out where I, where I stand on it I don't mind um, more issue, more action being taken to make sure players um, are, are kept fit, and and there's there's appropriate um, things to be done when a player has a has a bad injury, and we can still, because then you know maybe maybe it is a good thing because then you still have four rotations to work through to um, 
of fit players, and then and then if you get another injury, look, that's when it starts impacting your bench. You know that that'll still happen. You have those games where you you look at a side and they're like, oh, they've only got one left on the bench because these three guys have all gone off. You know that the attrition factor will still be there because I did see, I think it was Stephen Quatermain said, you know, part of the appeal of the AFL is that there is an attrition factor, which I don't exactly agree with because I don't. <laughs> part of the, the appeal of AFL to me is to see. Uh, two fit sides going at it and and see who wins. That's that's the appeal to me. But there is there is it is a physical sport and there is an attrition factor to it. So I, I kind of get what he's saying in that sense. Um, but yeah, look, there is, the attrition will still be a factor because you don't. It's not like you've got unlimited medical substitutes. You've got one. So look, it'll um, it, it's still got some ironing out to do. I think it's not that I'm against it because I think moving forward the AFL um, is looking at ways to make the game you know to reduce the amount of Issues that they have with, um, you know, injuries and, and, and clubs being worried about, you know, putting their, putting players through un, undue stress when they don't need to um, and, you know, putting players out there like Ryan Burton at full forward with his quad, you know, fucked, you know, that kind of stuff. We don't want to see that happening. So that that's kind of that's kind of a perfect example of why you'd want it because um, they needed him out there to, to continue the rotational strategy that they had to keep other players fit and it was just a gamble that, you know, we lost by six points again. You know, uh, you know, it's nothing against what they were trying to do. So, it is a, it will be an interesting one. I think that's that that is the thing that has bothered me is the fact that it's just been rushed through. Whereas it, it seems like the kind of rule that you could spend a season kind of going over and actually introduce it really well and have people understand it. I think. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. Um, I think that's what's bothered people more than anything is the fact that it's been rushed in so much that you kind of you're being overwhelmed with information right on the eve of the season when you're just trying to get ready to be a season as a supporter and as a media personality, both, you know, the media has probably overreacted slightly to it rather than actually kind of just sitting there and going, look, it's not a bad thing. It's just, it's just been rushed through. Um, but yeah, I, look, I don't, I don't mind that sense of it, but there is some things that I don't like. I don't like the fact that a player, if un, as a, an unused substitute still gets a game on their record, that's fucking stupid. That needs to be changed as soon as possible. Um, you know, because everyone that's on a bench, if you're a part of the 22, your rotation, you will get a game. It doesn't matter if you played 20 minutes or 80 minutes of the game. You still, you know, if you get out there a bit, you're, you're that's an appearance. It's kind of like, um, kind of like um, a soccer. You know, if you get if you come off the bench, that's an appearance, and that should be the way it's used as the medical substitute too. If you're not utilized, that game shouldn't go on your record because if you, <laughs> the AFL is going to look if a game if a player. If a player reaches any significant milestones, they're probably going to be good enough that they deserve. But you know, what if a game? What if a player um, gets to two hundred and eighty games, and their first twenty was when they were a young nineteen, twenty-year-old, as a as a medical substitute, and they've reached about three hundred and three games, but they actually haven't played in three hundred and three games. Um, I don't know why I picked three hundred and three. I think I've got two eighty-three with Boke in my head, which he's going to reach three hundred legitimately. So it doesn't matter. But you know that kind of thing bothers me just as a as someone who, who the game's records mean something to me as a fan so it's an interesting one that they've got well it's not an interesting one it's just plain stupid it just it's, it's very easy if they don't get on the ground as a medical substitute don't add the game to their record it's, it's stats are so advanced and the way to stat keep and record keep is so advanced these days with sports it's not hard to figure out if they got on the field or not so um fuck that part of it off and the rest of it I'm okay. I, I think I'll be okay with in the future. Just can we not rush through a rule on the end of the season like this again? One that does actually make a significant change to our sport like this is um 
you know, um, you know, standing the mark one was hard enough, and we got had a couple of months to deal with that. But you know, rushing this one through, um, it is a significant change to the way we watch and see our sport, and um, it just seems ridiculous that they've done that. And then those little caveats about um, games records and stuff like that, um, quite ridiculous as well. All right, so a little bit of conclusion time now. Ratted off a lot there, um, kind of a little bit about expectations versus reality, and. Um, uh, anyone who's seen 500 Days of Summer knows how different that can go sometimes, but um, I don't know why I'm talking about a random um, the 2010s era kind of a quirky indie romantic, non-romantic comedy. Um, anyway, but expectations versus reality. Thankfully, ours are very much on the same path. Um, expectations and reality line up at the moment. Um, our expectations are to win a flag with this crew and um, every every indicator says that we're very much a chance of. Now, it is sports and things can happen, but... Everything goes, um, you know, knock on wood. I've done that a lot this podcast, but um, everything goes well, um, you know, as as we hope, as every as every fan base does hope. But um, we are on on that path and and should be very excited and and, and you know going into this week um, should be very much hopeful that we can get off to a roaring start against the kangaroo side that is very much in a in the doldrums. But um, you know, as an as an overall season whole, because I will do a uh, kangaroos specific preview. Uh, try to rattle one of those off in the next uh, 36 hours. Um, but as a whole for the season, we should be looking at a very, very successful um, regular season and and, and be um, exp- the expectation is, um, you know, top two. So, and uh, minimum top four uh, to, to kind of conclude and reiterate the thoughts that I had as I was talking about um, through the podcast. Um, yeah, the squad is, um, we are just, we've got such a special crew, crew of players here. Um, you know, I remember, you know, as a, um, you know, 14 to, you know, I was 16 when we won a premiership in 2004. And, you know, I remember my first memories were watching those sides in the in the early early 90s that um, were winning flag after flag in the Sandfall. And, and um, you know, I, I and that side that we had in 2004 and then 2002 through 2004 was just littered with um, great players. And as well as these little pickups here and there, you know, your Josh Marnies and your Toby Thurston's and stuff like that, like those players that... Yeah, and you know we're starting to look at a crew that's got you know there's there's the elite players and those players that have been around a long time, but then we're we're getting guys in like Fantasia and Elia Elia and 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 a few other little pickups here and there that are just um, becoming um, new players and 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 thriving at Port Adelaide and you know so it's a, it's it's a group that I'm so um, in love with and and find special in a way that I found that grew crew uh, grew um, okay despicable me what's going on. Um, that crew in two thousand in that early two thousands period that I, I that I loved as a as a you know as a teenager and um you know that's the kind of feeling I have with this group which is a is a special thing to go into a season having that kind of feeling I just got a little little goosebumps uh, chill through my body as I was just thinking that thought that you know this 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 group um I finally get the word right um is uh, I was I think I was mixing mixing group and crew before so that's where I got grew from anyway um. You know this this group has a, has a special quality to it, um, with the diversity of age, talent, and uh, and and skills, and and just but all coming together, and that's what that's special about the sport is it requires such a large group of uh, of people coming together from various age brackets and various backgrounds, um, but all coming together for one common goal, and and Port Adelaide is a team and a club that has um, exemplified that kind of attitude to football better than any throughout its history, and um, and we're looking. Looking to chase greatness this year and, and, and start a new era of, of greatness at Port Adelaide. And I've, I'm so excited for this group that they're, they're the ones doing it because um, they're such a special group of um, 
people on the field as well as off the field. There's a lot of great people that work at Port Adelaide um, that, that deserve to be a part of this. You know, everyone, everyone, right down to you know your dad's army blokes and 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 the people that run the work the bar and and the port store and the coaches and the and the and the and the, the cleaners. Everyone around that club deserves to be um, a part of something special, and and they're, they're all looking like they will be this year and and into the future. So um, let's get excited for a, a great 2021.